We are bringing back the Lombardi Trophy to Philadelphia. The greatest fans of the world have their Super Bowl. Welcome back to the British Eagles podcast in association with Passion Avenue. It's the Time of Possession podcast, which means that me and my guest have 27 minutes, 56 seconds to talk Eagles, because that's how long they had the ball for against the Vikings. I'm your host, Anthony Bullock, and this week I'm joined by Jeff, who many of you know by his Twitter handle, Classic Jeff. Jeff, thank you very much for joining us. Anthony, thanks for having me on, man. Glad I could do it. Love you guys and love the podcast. Excellent. Now, I imagine we're not going to spend too long talking about the Vikings and we're going to talk a lot about Dallas week, but let's let's start with the Vikings game. Um, where were you when you were watching it? So uh, at Yorkist and I, we're actually at the game in Minnesota. Uh, we were five rows up in the end zone um, on the sideline. And beautiful stadium. The fans were incredibly accommodating. I guess they were a lot nicer than us because we didn't have any beer cans thrown at us. Um, but completely shell-shocked right from the opening possession. It really seemed like we, we, despite whatever comeback we might have had, never really had a shot in that game. So that's interesting. What was it like in the stadium then in terms of the the atmosphere? Were there many Eagles fans there? Typically, when I've traveled to colder weather locations uh, midway or later in the season, I haven't seen a lot of Eagles fans that make those trips. You know, I would say of the entire stadium, maybe there were 1,500 or 1,000 Eagles fans there, which I would say is a lot smaller than you might see when when the team goes down to Miami um, or when they go out to uh, Buffalo, actually. It seems like a lot of people are going there. But wasn't a lot of Eagles fans. You know, some of the diehards made the trip. The guys from the Green Legion uh, always have a, a good number of folks there. But... It was definitely a, a Vikings home crowd. And as the game was progressing on then, you said the comeback wasn't really on. What was the feeling like in, in the stands from, from the few Eagles fans that were there? So I think, like I said, we, we saw that opening quick touchdown by Minnesota where they marched right down and, and scored. And, Anytime a team is going to do that, you get a little bit shell-shocked, especially when you're on the road. And then you look for your team to respond and maybe have a quick drive, and we just didn't do that. Um, the only real glimmer of hope it felt like was right at the end of halftime. We were down 11 points. We were lined up to kick that field goal with Jake Elliott. And we kind of said to ourselves, hey, if we make this field goal for a game where we've been utterly dominated pretty much on both sides of the ball – it's a one-possession game, and we're going to come out in the second half, and we're going to have the ball. So, so we're right back in this. And it also seemed like the crowd was getting a little tense at that moment as well because they had the opposite feeling where, hey, we dominated these guys for basically 30 minutes of football, and if this guy makes this kick, all of a sudden they're getting the ball at the half, and you know they could score a quick touchdown and be right back in this game. And then we did that fake field goal that didn't materialize, and to me, that really re-energized the crowd at that moment and gave them a massive resurgence of life that they carried on through the second half. So it was really poor timing um, on our part. And I don't know if you got a chance to see, but Fran Duffy uh, broke down what the Eagles probably thought they were going to see 
on one of his um, one of his breakdowns where he had showed some of the previous weeks of, of Vikings field goal block attempts. So we could see what the Eagles were thinking and were hoping to get, but when it didn't happen, it really kind of sucked the life out of the Eagles crowds and re-energized the, the Vikings fans. So just speaking generally about the game against the Vikings, what do you think went wrong? Obviously, I know the obvious answer is the secondary, but what else is wrong with the Eagles? I think if you look at when they had success in 2017, they were dominating in the trenches on both sides of the ball. So the offensive line was giving Wentz plenty of time. The run game was clicking. It seemed they were way more creative when calling the plays. And on the defensive side of the ball, I think as a result of the offense being successful early on in games, the defense was able to be a little bit more aggressive. So they were able to, as the terminology goes, pin their ears back and really get after the quarterback uh, with their guys up front. And now because we're not jumping out to leads like we did in that season, we're playing from behind a little bit more. Our defense has to sit back a little bit, and teams are taking advantage of that, and, and you could see that. Um, Jim Schwartz hasn't really been as aggressive early on. He's kind of sitting back, and I know a lot of people like to, to criticize Jim, and maybe rightfully so, but you know he's playing with a lot of guys that are banged up in the secondary, and you, you send out your fourth, fifth, sixth cornerbacks against two guys who are, you know, Keelan and Stephon Diggs, who are arguably two of the top 10 or two top 15 receivers in the NFL, how you rank them. And guys who are studs in the NFL, when they see blood or see blood in the water, they're going to eat. And, and those guys just hate. And I think it is incumbent upon the team to really get down in the trenches this week against Dallas and win there. You know, win on the offensive side of the ball, win early, get some points, force Dallas to be one-dimensional where they can't have Ezekiel Elliott run the ball as much, make Dakota rain, throw the ball. And if we can do that, I think we'll be successful. Now, Zach Brown's been released by the team, but in the run-up to the Vikings game, he obviously made his statement about Kirk Cousins saying he's the, the weakest link on offense for the Vikings. How much stock do you put into the Vikings using that as bulletin board material and, and raising their game? You know, I think I think not much, if we're being honest. You know, Cousins is a guy who's had success against the Eagles before, and I think he's seen what Jim Schwartz has thrown at him before. So it wasn't as though he was facing a new defensive coordinator and a lot of faces that he had never seen. I just think the team in Minnesota as a whole, and really their fans, built this game up to, to be their revenge factor game for everything that's happened. And truthfully for us, dominating them in 2017, winning the NFC Championship the way we did, and then going on to win the Super Bowl in their home stadium. And what I kind of saw was a, a little twist of uh, ironic karma at the end of the game was that they had 38 points when the when the gun sounded to uh, end the game, and we had 38 points um, in that NFC Championship game. And obviously nobody's playing to hit a number, but uh, I, I kind of thought that was pretty interesting. Now, there's a lot, a lot of focus on the secondary. Um, obviously, Jalen Ramsey has been traded to the Rams. What, what were your thoughts? What were your hopes for, for the Eagles' moves with, with the secondary over the last couple of weeks? Yeah, I think we're all hoping for something to happen. Um, it's evident that we, we can't have success if we're sending out Sidney Jones and we're sending out Rasul Douglas to be our one and two corners 
you know, those guys just aren't getting the job done. I wonder if Howie Roseman is looking at the injury report and saying, okay, you know, this, this Sunday I'm getting the Green Goblin, Jalen Mills back. Uh, in another week, I'm getting Cravion LeBlanc and Avante Maddox back, or, or two weeks, excuse me. You know, I, I think reinforcements are on the way from the guys that were intended to be the starters and the starting three corners on this team. Um, as a fan, you know, I'm concerned because it's hard coming back from any kind of injury. It takes several games to get your legs under you. And as the game, or sorry, as the team standing, sitting there at three and three, and even though we're tied for the tops in the division, we have a very brutal schedule coming up with, you know, five of the better teams in the NFL, five of the top 10 teams. You know, Dallas is probably the worst of the teams we're going to play in the next five weeks. you got Buffalo is having a good season with only one loss. Obviously, the Patriots are going to come in here. The Seahawks are going to come in here. The Bears are going to come in here. So we've got a gauntlet ahead of us, and we've got to figure out how to win these games. So personally, I believe Roseman is going to make a deal. The question is, is he going to find a guy that's going to beef up the defensive line and, and try and win in the trenches until those reinforcements come? Uh, or is he going to try and find some secondary help and maybe someone in the trenches? But I, I think he's going to do something. Um, if you look the last two seasons, he has made moves. Uh, he brought in Jay Jai, our Super Bowl run year. He brought in Golden Tate. You know, a lot of people don't like the way the Tate trade materialized. To me, I thought it was fine. He had a game-winning touchdown against the Bears. Um, we will end up getting some kind of comp pick back whether it's a fifth, whether it's a fourth, but obviously not the third we gave up. But kind of a little bit longer story to say, I, I think Roseman has a deal. I think he's out there trying to make deals. Um, I don't think the Ramsey deal materialized because how he didn't try. I just think the Jaguars looked at the position of the two teams and said the Rams deal gives us a better opportunity to get higher draft picks over the course of those two years. And that's really why they went with them. I don't think it was any sort of uh, any sort of issue or ill will with the Eagles um, that that they were thinking about, or just didn't want to do a trade with us for any particular reason, other than it looks as though our team could have more potential for more success, and by default they would get a worse draft pick out of it. Flipping over to the other side of the ball, this week it's come out that an offensive player has been texting a reporter about issues with the offense. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, whenever whenever a team is performing poorly, stuff like this comes out, and it, it, it's locker room stuff. And if teams are having success, you don't hear about that stuff because you know, they're on the field, they're winning games, you know, if there's something small, they tend to squash it. When it comes to quotes that are given anonymously to reporters, you know, I, I try not to be the witch hunt guy. I don't want to sit there and dig into, oh, well, this person maybe isn't getting as many opportunities on the, on the side of the ball, so it's probably them. Or, hey, this person had talked to such and such reporter before, and they had broken a story about this person's opportunity or where they're going. You know, I, I think winning cures everything. And if this team can go out Sunday, they can win a tough game on the road against Dallas, where truthfully, we haven't really had that much success the last couple of years. That will squash whatever the issues are. 
and, and give us an opportunity to right the ship right now. But, you know, again, there's always going to be someone that isn't completely content, whether it's playing time, whether it's opportunities um, on the offensive side of the ball, whatever have you. You know, there's a guy in a contract year that is maybe pissed off because he's not getting enough balls thrown his way, so maybe his stats won't look as good when he goes to sign a deal in the off season. Um, yeah, I, I try not, to, like I said, I try not to put too much stock in it. I think go out, win the game Sunday, you're back in first place, you're controlling the division, you're a game up, you know, and that gives you a leg up and, and really moves the team and starts to rate the ship and will hopefully squash whatever the detention is. It is, of course, Dallas week. Now, before we start looking at the, the matchup between uh, the two teams this week, what's your earliest memory of, of Eagles-Dallas? Man, um, you know, Eric, or E-Rock, excuse me, posted it the other day. And, you know, beating Dallas at home at the vet and hearing the crowd. I wasn't there, but I heard the crowd on TV. And it was the wildest I'd ever heard a TV broadcast at that moment. You know, he, he hit it on the head. It, it was that fourth and one play and having to do it again. Um, you know, it's the same for me. We're, we're pretty similar in age, so I think we share a lot of the same memories. He's more fortunate than I am in that he's been a, a season ticket holder a lot longer. But, you know, that one really sticks out. And, you know, one of my other favorite Dallas memories was really that huge play that McNabb had on the Monday night game where he scrambled around for about, I think it was like 12 seconds or, or something which is outrageous in terms of length of NFL play, where he ends up heaving the ball downfield to Freddie Mitchell for Freddie Mitchell's only other memory besides fourth and 26 in an Eagles uniform. Uh, so those two for me were, were really the biggest Dallas memories. And for you, are Dallas the, the biggest rivals for you? Yes, absolutely. And, and I think it, it's, it's really a time shift in, in life as to why they are. Um, they're the biggest rival for me right now because they're the better team. But I think if the Cowboys fell off and they were atrocious for the next eight years and the Giants and Saquon Barkley um, and Danny Dimes started to take over, you know, maybe they would be the bigger rivalry. But, yeah, for me right now, it's, it's Dallas. I would say most of my life it's, it's been Dallas, especially with all the success that they had in the 90s when I was really growing up and watching Randall Cunningham and, and learning to be a football fan. Um, you know, Dallas has really been the, the thorn in our side and the team that, hey, if we beat them, maybe the season didn't go too well. Uh, but that sort of gives us a little chip on our shoulder to feel better about whatever did or didn't happen. Well, as Doug Peterson said, we beat the Cowboys on Sunday night football and we go top of the NFC East. So what are your keys for the Eagles for the game this week? Yeah, I think first and foremost, we've got to come out and get on the board first. It's incumbent upon this team and the way that defense is designed and the way the offense and Doug Peterson have had success uh, in their years here is to play from ahead. And, you know, it's it's a pretty simple concept. And I think most teams in the NFL will will say the exact same thing. So I'm, in my opinion, I'm not giving some sort of amazing breakthrough in, in the NFL, but if you play from ahead and you get that confidence on the road, you get Wentz to complete a couple passes early on, you get the defense off balance on the Dallas side, um, that makes them more confident, and then that enables us to control the flow of the game and control the way we want it to project. So I think first and foremost, got to score first, and it's got to be a touchdown. You know, you, you can't kick field goals on the road. 
um, as the Detroit Lions saw the other night when they kicked five field goals and ended up losing the game to the Packers. You know, there's a saying every time you kick a field goal on the road, you're one step closer to losing. So first and foremost, get out in front, get a touchdown, get on the board, show Dallas he came to play. And then secondly, we've got to dominate on the defensive line. We've got to be able to get enough pressure with our front four that can allow Jim Schwartz to sit back there and have seven guys back in coverage because we need safeties to be over the top of the ball. We can't have Malcolm Jenkins down in the box because then we're leaving one of our side or our, uh, outside corners one-on-one within one of their receivers. And look, even with Amari Cooper not playing, for those people that, that don't pay a lot of attention to Dallas, Michael Gallup, you know, he could end up being a better receiver than Amari Cooper. He's got great speed. He's got good hands. You know, you get the ball in that guy's hands, and, and he's a dangerous player. He's a weapon. So I think you got to win in the front four, and you got to win with the trenches. You do that, you get to Dak Prescott early, hit him a couple times, make him throw the ball, get yourself three sacks, get yourself two turnovers in this game. If we can hit those numbers and score early, the Eagles are going to end up on top in this game with a W. So that's what they need to do. Let's get your score prediction. How do you think the game is going to go? Ah, so fantastically, in the history of my score predictions, I am 0 for 6,024. <laughs> uh, so for this one, let's go with um, you know Eagles 27 and uh, Cowboys 20. I think we're going to get three touchdowns, you know, two field goals, maybe one towards the end of the first half and one towards the beginning of the second half. But we're going to get a late touchdown. And uh, one of those hopefully will be a defensive touchdown as well. I think you're going to see one of the guys on the defensive line get a big strip sack, and and hopefully someone like a Josh Sweat can get a scoop and score, uh, maybe off a big Fletcher Cox hit or something. But, uh, yeah, let's go 27-20 birds, and, you know, after that we can be back on track and on to Buffalo. Wow, so you've you've really set the standard there. Not only have you given the score prediction, you've gone into detail on the plays of how the team are going to score as well. Yeah, I think it makes it a little bit more fun and, and something to root for. So if somebody's got some prop bets that they want to throw out there, um, Eagles defensive touchdown, I don't know what the line is, but I, I like that one for this week. You know, Dak is, Dak is someone that has a propensity to turn the ball over. He's thrown a lot of interceptions. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I know he's thrown a lot of interceptions. So let's get that turnover. Let's get that defensive touchdown, and let's uh, let's roll these boys. Let's do it. Perfect. Well, fingers crossed that's exactly how the game goes. So moving away from looking at the Eagles on the field to Philadelphia as a city. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we had the British Eagles um, tour across to Philadelphia, the group trip across there. And Jeff, we were very fortunate enough to spend some social time with you in a couple of bars as well as um, at the tailgate. So we've got some fans who are going to be heading across to Philadelphia um, for, for the upcoming games in November. And I just want to talk through what your advice is for, for those fans who are heading across to Philly. What should they be doing? What should they be uh, seeing? Yeah, for sure. And, and it was awesome to have you guys. I'm glad we, we spent that time. And I'm looking forward to the next time we can get together. Um, Duke and Michelle are looking forward to seeing you guys as well. So hopefully get a chance to come back soon or hopefully we can get over the pond and maybe catch a, a soccer match with you guys. Uh, you know, look, if you're in Philadelphia, you know, I know it's cliche, but you got to go to gyms and get yourself a cheesesteak there, American without or American with or provolone or provolone without. Uh, that's probably my favorite cheesesteak place in the city. 
I think you take a walk up the steps of the art museum and get yourself a picture at the top like you're Rocky. You know, go around, see some of the bars. McGillan's is one of the uh, oldest bars in America and is always a great spot to catch a pint and, and hang out. And if you're over in uh, my neighborhood, Garage Bar, where, where I took you guys and we had tons of beer, then they love to party in there. So those are those are the good spots. Let's let's talk about um, cheesesteaks then. So you've you've recommended gyms. There's a, a lot of debate about where the best cheesesteak place is. So where else would you recommend for, for cheesesteaks if people want to do their own sort of benchmarking taste testing? Yeah, so... You know, Jim's is awesome. There's there's another spot on South Street called Woodrow's. Uh, they do a cheesesteak with with uh, fried onions, and they actually do this kind of truffle cheese, which is pretty amazing. Um, so I would recommend there. I've never had it, but I think Ishka Bibbles on uh, South Street, I've heard, is pretty awesome, too. I'll have to try that one out. Um, and look, if you want to if you want to be totally immersed in the tourism scene, then, then take yourself to Pat's and Gino's. Uh, but the Philly fans, the ones that live here in the city, we tend not to go there. But, you know, look, I think everybody's got to try the things that are a little bit touristy because it's fun. You take the picture, and I've got no problem with that. I, I, I do it when I go to other countries as well. And it's always a good time and always good fun. Uh, but probably, like I said, gyms, you can go to um, the Knicks, or even if not played the Knicks, uh, in Reading Terminal Market. I encourage everyone to go on there. And Broccoli Rob was actually rated the number one sandwich in America a couple of years ago. Uh, so I would say definitely give a roast pork sandwich in Philly a try. Maybe better than a Philly cheesesteak, depending on who you talk to. Wow. Okay. High praise indeed. Now, I managed to get to Ishka Bibbles and gyms um, while I was out there. And... They were they were very similar um, in terms of quality of cheesesteak. So yeah, wherever you end up for for cheesesteak, whether it's Jim's or Ishkabibbles, it's a, it's going to be good. And um, yeah, you know, I think you've got to go to to Pat's and Gino's just to to try that touristy cheesesteak, and um, then you can you can do your own comparisons and uh, come up with your own opinions of the, of the best ones to have. For sure. Yeah. Which which would you like better, Jim's or Ishkabibbles? What's that? Sorry. Which one did you like better, Jim's or Ishka Bibbles? Oh, they were on par. Um, I would have to say Ishka Bibble. Nice. But yeah, if... You know what? I'm going to try it and, and let you know how I feel. Do it. Make sure you go. They've got two um, outlets on uh, South Street. Make sure you go to the original. Okay. Got it. I will do that. There you go. A little bit of uh, advice for the Philly native right there. Yeah, and look, if you're uh, if you're off the pond, you know, definitely give uh, give a shout out. Connect on Twitter. Let us know you're in town. You know, we'll try to meet up, grab a couple of drinks, uh, and if not, we'll absolutely see you guys at the uh, at the tailgate at F1 for uh, the Fourth and John tailgate. Those guys put on probably the best tailgate I've ever been to, uh, and they love hosting and, and taking care of folks from out of town. Man, they're first class. Well, that's where I wanted to take the conversation next. How can people follow you on social media and also the do's and don'ts for game day? Yeah, so if you want to follow me, it's at underscore Classic Jeff on Twitter. Um, you'll get lots of pictures of Duke 
my dog and lots of pictures of me traveling around the, the country to go to football games. Um, do's and don'ts, man, for the tailgate, look, just, just show up, be friendly, have a good time, interact with people, let people know where you're from, you know, take some pictures, post it to social media, just ultimately just try to have a good experience. Uh, you know, me and my, my buddy, Yurkis, we were just out in Minnesota and we were pretty fortunate enough to meet these two guys, Jared and Thomas, uh, the night before at a Penn State, Iowa, Iowa game, we were watching at an all Iowa bar. And they invited us to their tailgate, and, and they were friendly, man. And, and I think ultimately you just you just want to have fun, and you're going to get back what you give out. So if you're good to people and you're friendly, you're going to get that back, and you're going to have an awesome experience. So just come, show up, have a good time, and, and you know, enjoy yourself. That's what it's really about, man. Meet some friends, make some like friends. You know, that's what we're trying to do there. Excellent. I can't think of a better way to, to end our chat there, Jeff. So um, I am going to cut it off there and uh, we will catch up with you soon. Awesome, Anthony. Thanks for your time, bud. It was great to be on and uh, go birds. All right, go birds.